Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Monday, November 9th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Uh, a lot of fun stuff to get to in this episode, including what we something we haven't done in a while, and that would be Twitter questions. I put a solicitation out on my uh, personal Twitter, at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. Got some pretty good questions, so we'll go through those in this episode. Uh, but we start here. The NBA. Well, are we starting with the NBA? This is a Flyers podcast. No, we're starting with the NBA uh, because it looks like the NBA has come to an agreement in regards to the start for the 2020-21 NBA season. They will have the shortest offseason in major pro sports history uh, if they are able to ratify a deal to start their season coming up on December 22nd. And all indications are that that will happen. Uh, the NBA does still have to co- confirm uh, some safety protocols. And Sham Sharania, who covers the NBA, uh, kind of broke this story last week. The NBA going to begin their season coming up in advance of Christmas. Christmas, very important day for the NBA, one where they've uh, done traditionally the triple and quadruple headers. Uh, they're going to have a 72-game season. And in certain markets, they're aiming to have fans in arenas as well. Uh, it's uh, Sham Sharani's reporting says the NBA aims to have arena suites open to fans at 25 to 50 percent capacity for the 2020-21 season tip-off, and that's based on local regulations and amount of fans under protocols such as mass social distancing and coronavirus testing is a goal to start the season. Uh, they did also say you know the courtside seats, courtside fans for games would be about 12, 10 to 12 feet away, wouldn't be right on the court in these very unique circumstances. So we hear that about the NBA, and immediately hockey fans say, well, what about the NHL? Why is the NHL uh, not uh, divulged their plan yet? Well, there are some conversations that have taken place uh, between the NHLPA, Donald Fear, who runs the Players Association, and the league office with uh, Gary Bettman and Donald Fear. And Donald Fear last week, again, reiterated that the NHL, their target date is still, in fact, January 1st. Uh, more reporting uh, that we've kind of saw over the last couple of weeks says that January 1st may not be actual uh, the actual start date for the NHL. One reason why is uh, training camps are going to be two weeks in advance, presumably, for the 24 teams that made the return to play. And the seven teams that did not make the return to play, it looks like They'll probably come to some kind of agreement where they'll get a little bit longer of a training camp since they haven't played or convened really since March when uh, the league went on pause around March 12th. So uh, two weeks of camp is roughly mid-December, but you have the Christmas holiday in there as well. Uh, So it doesn't make much sense to have camp let the teams break apart for a few days, let players go home to their families or other locations to celebrate the holiday and then return. Obviously, border issues, and it looks like the Canadian border remaining closed and an all-Canadian division uh, will very likely be in the cards when the NHL does return in January, uh, at least for a portion of the season. And uh, we'll see if the NHL puts out a full schedule or a tiered schedule as well. And as I mentioned, NBA is doing a 72-game schedule. Could we see a 72, 70, even 60-game season for the NHL? Uh, That remains to be seen as well. Uh, A lot to figure out, uh, but it's probably in that window now with this week beginning where we'll start to hear some more information uh, through some good reporting around the NHL and trusted sources uh, that uh, conversations are underway to work uh, on the details of the return of the NHL, uh, especially now with the NBA looking like they are going to begin coming up on December 22nd. If you're worried about building availability, 
in cities like Philadelphia where you have a winter sports uh, two teams in, that, that have winter sports like the Flyers and Sixers uh, that part will not be an issue because obviously another part of the equation when it comes to building availability is uh, concerts and other events in those buildings and those have obviously uh, been extremely limited uh, if at all in most markets so we'll see how this plays out but uh, things are due to start get interesting for the National Hockey League and their return to play plans as well. Good to see that the NBA is uh, moving forward, and we look forward to the NHL doing that as well. With that said, let's get to some Twitter questions. And some really good questions come in, and we're going to get to all of them, at least at the time of taping here, uh, who have responded. And uh, we start with at Keezus, K-E-E-Z-U-S. He says, what players do you think fit the grinder role for this team? Always need a player with heart and grit. I agree. You do need those players. You know, sometimes we make fun of the muckers and the grinders and those kind of things. And certainly the NHL has changed and you have to be a skilled player as well. Uh, But there is still a role for agitators, for guys that can be physical, guys that can be really good on the forecheck. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, a guy like Nate Thompson is not returning, Derek Grant's not top uh, returning. Uh, Both of those guys, bottom six players that aren't there necessarily to pile up goals, obviously, uh, but to be those kind of sandpaper guys and for a playoff and veteran presence. But the Flyers do have guys on the younger end of the scale that can that can accomplish those roles as well. And maybe guys that aren't ticketed uh, to be even top nine forwards in the NHL. Now, look, it's always Kubel. uh, It could be a top nine forward in the NHL. But he's a guy that kind of surprised a lot of people last year. Uh, he's a guy that certainly fits that role. One of the best four checkers on the team, Connor Bunneman, who uh, spent a good amount of games with the Flyers last year, just a twenty-one, just twenty-one years of age. Uh, he's got a big body at six-one-two-fifteen. He's another guy that can be in that bottom six. That's a good four-checking player. Uh, you can also look at some of the other players that they have coming back into the lineup. Uh, you can have a little bit more skill, presumably, with Oscar Lindblom returning. And uh, hopefully the addition of Nolan Patrick. And we talked about it on the last episode with Bill Meltzer, the fact that Nolan Patrick has played in four uh, non-contact scrimmages back in Manitoba uh, in preparation kind of, you know, it's not beer league. It's a highly competitive league with really skilled players. Uh, But the fact that he's played now in four scrimmages up in Manitoba is a good sign. And we'll see uh, when Nolan Patrick comes to camp, what kind of shape he's in and and where he where he is with his game and hopefully his health and he can resume his career and try and fulfill that uh, expectation that was heaped upon him as a number two overall pick uh, back in that draft class where Nico Heischer was taken number one but the Flyers do have players they also picked up a player that we featured in an episode last week in last Wednesday's episode we had Morgan Frost on he's certainly not going to be a grinder a heart and soul guy he's a skilled player uh, but the other player that appeared in that episode was Lena Sandin who the Flyers Uh, signed uh, out of Sweden. He's playing already in the Swedish league, bottom nine forward, big body, does play a physical game, and Flyer fans will like the way and his tenacity and energy as well. So they do have players uh, that fit that role and can step into that role. Matty D tweets in at Davidson MR. He says, as a way too early prediction, do the Flyers move forward or regress from last year in 2021? This is a really interesting question. And it's one I've gone back and forth on. Conventional wisdom tells you they lost Matt Niskanen, a top-pairing defenseman, a veteran, uh, a right shot to play on that top defensive pair alongside Ivan Provorov. And we know uh, not only uh, the the level of play that Matt Niskanen brought to each and every game, we also know the professionalism and the trickle-down effect of 
showing guys, younger guys like Ivan Provorov, like Travis Sanheim, like Phil Myers, how to be pros and how to prepare every day. Uh, so you, you look at that loss and you say, okay, well, they didn't fill that void. Eric Gustafson, who they signed, is is not uh, the same level player that Matt Niskanen was. It's not a right shot, although he can play the right side and did play the right side, along with Duncan Keith in Chicago when he had that 60-point season. But you can look at it from that perspective and say, well, they're not good as good defensively because they lost Niskanen. You can look up uh, up front and say, well, there's not as many veteran players there, uh, and there's gonna be, they're going to be counting on some younger guys. Um, but I think one thing we have to consider, and t- to answer this question, it's impossible to answer it now because you look on paper and you say, no, they won't be as good, and there could be a regression. But the one thing that is very hard to predict but very prevalent is the growth of young players. And I don't think we can discount the fact that so many of these young players, guys like Konechny, guys like uh, Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim, got more playoff action under their belt and learned from it. The game uh, is a different type of game in the NHL playoffs, and they'll come back better for it. And as they go through their pro career, working the way to their peak years, certainly none of those players I mentioned are at their peak right now. And as they continue to grow in their arc of their career, then they're only going to get better. And when you look at it, yeah, the Niskanen loss is a tough one. But Phil Myers is a guy that year in, year out, has grown exponentially in his role with this team, as has Travis Sanheim, as has Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov is a top 10 to 15 defenseman in the NHL. He doesn't get the respect he deserves yet. That comes with, uh, that's more of a popularity contest when you see those NHL network rankings of the top defensemen. Uh, he hasn't been doing it long enough just yet for to get that notoriety to be considered on that level league-wide, but he's there. Uh, he's, an, he's a top-level defenseman, a number one in the NHL at a very young age. That guy can eat a lot of minutes. And then you also got to remember, you know, if you get Oscar Lindblom back, who was on a 30-goal pace before his uh, diagnosis with Ewing sarcoma, if you can get Nolan Patrick back, I know that's a big if, and that's a big ask after he didn't play a shift last year, but also the growth of guys like Nicholas Albe-Kubel, the growth of a guy like Joel Farabee, who just one year at BU was a reason why he made the team last year. He had so many great scoring chances. Now he just needs to figure out how to finish at the NHL level a little bit better. And then maybe Morgan Frost makes this team and other young players. Year two of Kevin Hayes. There's another year of maturity of Carter Hart. So it's a hard prediction to make, Matty D, on if they're going to be a team that moves forward or regresses year to year. They may not have as as good of a regular season, uh, but I think they'll be more equipped to have more ultimate success in the playoffs. We'll see how that plays out. Plus, they're going to go into the season with cap space. And what can be accomplished with cap space in a flat cap world because of the pandemic uh, maybe a little, that, that may be a situation, uh, a lot of chatter around the NHL. If you go into the season with cap space, you could really find some really good hockey trades in season uh, to be able to take on money uh, for teams that need to move players. And that may be a really good opportunity. Not spending that money in free agency just now may be a very good strategy by the general manager, Chuck Fletcher, to really get a good deal come season time when you have some cap space available. Now, they do need to sign... Phil Myers, which leads to our next question. 
uh, from my good buddy, Mark Teruso. And he says, what's the delay with the Myers contract? Now, Myers, first of all, you're starting to see some cases, uh, arbitration. Some cases go to arbitration, settle right before arbitration. Nobody wants to go to arbitration. Uh, It's ugly. You you have to talk bad about one of your players, and it gets pretty ruthless Mm -hmm. because you're trying to save money. It's strange that they have salary arbitration in a hard salary cap league, but they do. Uh, But he's not arbitration eligible. Uh, But Phil Myers, his contract will get done. I I think you'll see something very similar to Travis Sanheim's contract, a two- to three-year deal. Makes no sense for the Flyers to sign him long-term right now. Uh, It makes no sense for Phil Myers to sign long-term right now not considering the flat cap. It, it makes absolutely no sense. So you'll probably see a two-year deal, walk him up to another uh, free, uh, restricted free agent status so he can't walk, and uh, they'll be in a good situation. But I, but I imagine two, three-year deal for Phil Myers, and as the season gets closer, uh, they'll get that deal done. I don't think that's going to be any kind of situation that uh, will be in peril uh, with that getting ugly between Phil Myers, Chuck Fletcher, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Kevin Thate, Thady. I'm not sure how to say your name, Kev, but Kevin. He said, should the Flyers reunite the Limblom, Coots, and Konechny line? They had a lot of success before Limblom went out. Yeah, I, I would absolutely investigate that and all kinds of different combinations. You know, one thing about the playoffs, and the playoffs had such a lasting effect on on everybody's mind heading into the offseason, and it's a hard thing to erase. That Game 7 against the New York Islanders, it's a hard thing to erase. And the fact that maybe Sanheim didn't have a great playoff and Myers didn't have the best playoff there as well. And the Flyers got pushed around by a really big physical team in in the New York Islanders. And, and you look at that and say, well, they were never as good as we thought they were because that's the lasting image you have. Um, but, yeah, I, I put all these combinations together. I look at all kinds of different things, and that's what's great about even a 70- or 72-game season is you have some time to try out these different combinations whether that's Couturier, Limblom, and Konechny, whether that's Couturier, Giroux, and Konechny, something I had called for in the playoffs when they were having trouble scoring quite often. Uh, you can move these lines around quite a bit. Joel Farabee, is he a guy that maybe at some point could play alongside Sean Couturier? Where does Morgan Frost fit in? Uh, what's the combination for Morgan Frost to, to really kind of take advantage of that advanced skill set and hands and vision that he has where does a guy like Kevin Hayes does he play at some point with a big body uh, you know some other big bodies does he play with Limblom again we got to see how all all these things play out but to me when it comes to line combinations everything's on the table I think if Nolan Patrick is healthy and playing well he's your third line center without question uh, he's got the skills to be a really good third-line center. It'd be a favorable matchups for him uh, in that situation, and it'd be a great way to re- reassimilate himself to playing at the NHL level. And hopefully he can start putting those cinder blocks down of a foundation uh, to take his career where he and Flyer fans want it to go. Uh, last one, Big Chief or Big Chef tweets in and says, fans, question mark, question mark, question mark, um, in some markets – uh, presumably in Philadelphia, given the 25% occupancy rule for indoor uh, events, th- that would maybe be the case. Look, we have to see where things are come January with this pandemic. We know numbers are rising. Um, we're, no, we're not blind to that fact. Uh, we know that there will have to be social distancing, and certain areas will have different rules. But we're hoping that, obviously, fans can be involved as much as possible 
and to integrate fans back in on larger numbers as quickly as possible as well, because that means a couple of things, that the pandemic is getting under control and we're moving in the right direction and it's safe to do so. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Thanks to everybody for tweeting in. You guys always are great. We appreciate it. If you can leave us a rating and review for this podcast so other great Flyer fans can find it, spread the word. Uh, great stuff coming up this week on Flyers Daily, too. Stay tuned and find out exactly what that is. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you listening. So we'll talk to you on Wednesday's episode of Flyers Daily. Pardon me, pardon me.